Welcome to the Our Savior Speaks podcast from Our Savior Episcopal Church, located at 4227 Columbia Road in Martinez, Georgia. Through this podcast, we'll be sharing messages of hope and encouragement that can be found in the life and lessons of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We will also explore ways in which God can work through each of us to make our Lord's grace and love a reality for all of humanity. On this week's Our Savior Speaks podcast, Sandy Robando delivers a sermon that focuses primarily on the passage from Matthew's Gospel. She notes how Jesus' opponents wanted to trap him with the perfect question about taxes. She talked about teaching a class in religion and politics in college and how her students often saw this passage as Jesus making a political statement. But she was clear to note that this was not about politics, but it was more about Jesus talking about to whom we owe our allegiance. She goes on to point out how this gospel passage is meant to help us learn about priorities with the understanding that everything we are and everything we have belongs to God. Now, the passages that you're going to hear in today's podcast are from Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 23, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, and from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. A reading from the book of Exodus. Moses said to the Lord, See, you have said to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now if I have found favor in your sight, show me your ways, so that I may know you and find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. He said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go, do not carry us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, unless you go with us? In this way we shall be distinct." I and your people from every people on the face of the earth. The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Show me your glory, I pray. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you the name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will Uh, be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one shall see me and live. And the Lord continued, see, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will make, take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from Thessalonians. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Grace to you and peace. We always give thanks to God for all of you 
and mention you in our prayers constantly, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, beloved by God, that he has chosen you because of your message of the gospel came to you and not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Just as you know what kind of person we prove to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for in spite of persecution, you received the word with joy, inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Acacia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Acacia, but in every place your faith in God has become known, so that we have no need to speak about it. For the people of those regions report about us what kind of welcome we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath that is coming. The word of the Lord. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. The Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they, so they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with the truth, and show deference to no one. For you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin you used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. Then when they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God, Creator, Redeemer, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 
As many of you know, I'm a retired professor from the Department of Political Science that's now known as the Department of Social Science at Augusta University. One of the electives I taught from time to time was religion and politics. The last time that I taught that class, I had one student who was absolutely convinced that today's gospel passage was proof positive that Jesus was a great political philosopher and in fact the one who invented the concept of separation of church and state as we practice it in our political system. Well, too bad he was dead wrong. <laughs> the idea of separating church and state was a product of the Age of Enlightenment in the 17th and 18th centuries and is best viewed as a reaction to the roughly 150 years of bloody war between Protestants and Catholics in Europe. So no, Jesus wasn't talking about politics. Jesus was talking about something far more important than our political system. He was talking about to whom we owe our ultimate allegiance. This gospel passage is part of a series of encounters Jesus has with the authorities after his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. In each encounter, the authorities are working to get Jesus to say something anything that they can use against him so that they can bring charges against him and from their perspective they hope they can execute him. So all they have to do is create the perfect question. Some question that no matter how you answer it, you're in trouble. And as they labored to craft that perfect question, they must have felt a real sense of triumph when they came up with this one. In this encounter, it's the Pharisees along with some of King Herod's supporters who asked the loaded question, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? If Jesus says yes, then the crowds, and that's everybody, folks, in this day and time, everybody hated the Romans, and so they will desert Jesus after an answer like that. If he says no, all the questioners have to do is report him to the Roman authorities and they'll take care of the rest. Either way, either way they feel confident that this time, this time they have him. Of course, the perfect question demands the perfect answer and Jesus delivers just that. First, he asks for a coin used to pay the tax. That could, coin, of course, would be a Roman coin, and it would have the emperor's face stamped right on it. And Jesus' famous answer, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's, is one that have to have left his would-be attackers amazed. Because in one short sentence, Jesus managed to turn their question completely on its head. And no doubt the crowds that were following Jesus were delighted to see him outwit his accusers one more time. But all, all we take away from this encounter is a sense of satisfaction at Jesus' success in outwitting the Pharisees. We've missed the point. Those who took care to save this story and write it down for Christians to cherish did not save it to memorialize Jesus' wit. Instead, they wanted us to learn a very important lesson about priorities. Our ultimate loyalty should be given to God first and foremost. Jesus' answer underlines that everything we are 
and everything we have belongs to God. Everything. Every single thing. All our stuff, our family, all of our talents and gifts that we have, they're not really ours. They're God's. And our first obligation is to give the things that are God's back to God. What would our life look like if we actually lived that way? If we took a quick tour of Jesus' parables and teachings, we could get some real insight into how we might be living if we took seriously the idea that everything we are and everything we have belongs to God. Here are just a few quick insights. When we get up in the morning, we would remember that our relationship with God is the most important relationship, and we would take the time to read scripture and pray and listen to the one who should be our best friend. When we read about some recent disaster or the sufferings of people in the morning paper or on the morning news, we, we would not just feel sorry for the victims, we would do something to reach out and love to them, even if it was just to take a moment to pray for them. As we go through our day, we would remember to be kind and helpful to strangers and to thank God for the little blessings and gifts that come our way. When the stress and frustrations pile up at home or at work, we would remember that Jesus told us to bring our burdens to him and he will give us rest. Whenever we sin during the day, we would not get depressed and frustrated with ourselves. We would remember that God is still patiently waiting for all his prodigal children to come home. And we would go home instead of beating ourselves to death with guilt. Whenever someone hurts us, we would remember that God will forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And we would be very, very forgiving people. Whenever we encountered someone who needed help, we would be the Good Samaritan. We would remember that the poor, the sick, the homeless, the imprisoned person whose face we see may be our Lord, and we would act accordingly. We would not collapse exhausted into bed until we had first thanked God for all the blessings of the day and asked his forgiveness for our sins, known and unknown, things done and left undone. And when we come here to church on Sunday, we would remember that it is those who do what God wants who are our brothers, our sisters, our mothers and fathers, and we would treat each other that way. Can real people live this way? Could we actually live our way, lives in a way that makes it clear that everything we are and everything we have belongs to God? I believe that we can answer those two questions with the same words we use to answer questions during a baptism. We say, I will, with God's help. Amen.